Hey there, welcome to the third installment of the uh, new feel, new look we've been had, where we discuss or even debate albums for your listening pleasure. I'm Keith Billy. And I'm Chad Cook. And this week it's up into the holler with <laughs> Lynn's Van Leer Rose, uh, produced by Jack White. So we were in, Rebecca and I were in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago in like southwest Wisconsin. and. I was amazed that, you know, it's like really hilly there. Um, I was amazed that there actually were like haulers. Like there would be signs saying like, this is Johnson Holler Road. You Do know, they like, spell it like hot, like H-O-L-L-E-R? We saw it both ways. Okay. We saw hollow and holler. Because I, like, I feel like there's some kind of like crick creek thing going on with that. Uh... That's definitely, definitely what is happening here. Okay, so um, the album itself then, uh, released 2004 on Interscope, produced by Jack White, who we're going to get a lot of talk about, I bet. Uh, recorded in July, of, or I'm sorry, recorded in January of 2004, released in April, and that's kind of an amazingly quick turnaround, I think. Um, yeah, when it's your 42nd studio album, things uh, things move a little close, a little yeah. quicker. Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of know how things go. Um, so to give it just kind of a, a quick description, for if anybody hasn't heard it, it, I think this is just kind of an amazing album. You know, it's this OG mid-century country great backed up by a guy who, like, love him or hate him, um, you know, is just the rootsiest contemporary guitar rock guy and like their styles just mesh perfectly and if there's this genre of old country stars doing late career back to basics revivals with younger producers i think this is to me i think this is the best one i don't what any any thoughts on the album as an album yeah i mean i i think loretta lynn does two things really well she writes and sings songs that about desperation and yeah. songs about kicking ass and uh she, <laughs> you know like so you take for example you take like uh you know something like uh i don't know like coal miner's daughter or when the tingle becomes a chill right these are really like yeah. desperation songs and there are a couple of couple of those on this album but she's also got these kind of like just kind of these like just ass kickers like you know fist city yeah. and the pill and my personal yeah. favorite song title ever don't come home a drinking with loving on your mind <laughs> and that's a banger song too you know I mean, like, like you ain't woman enough to take my man like, <laughs> i just like yeah i mean she she'll sing a song like fist city and sound like she means it <laughs> oh i don't want to fuck with her yeah and she's like in her 80s right like uh, and, uh but this this brings me to, I don't know, I'll be interested to hear your take on this, but kind of a, a sad anecdote from a impromptu cross-country drive that my wife and I took. Driving through Chicago and just gridlocked in Chicago traffic, uh, there's a giant billboard uh, for a beer that's made by Revolution Brewing called Fist City. Okay. <laughs> and... Yeah. I, at first I was like, did I read it wrong? Is it first city? 
like, and I'm still like, I, I probably should have Googled it. I'll actually do that now to make sure I'm not. And, you know, like, I, no, it's Fist City. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see any like indication on there about it, about Loretta Lynn. Like it just, well, I don't know. It just kind of bummed me out. Like that is I, a bummer. That, you know, it's uh, it, it's like that line from uh, the Clash song. They're just turning rebellion into money. I, I Loretta Lynn, like, I don't know. She's, you know, stepping back from this album and just looking at her she's like i i love her i think she's great um she is one of my favorite old country artists and that makes her one of my favorite artists but she's tough to figure because like you know, she's got all these hits from the 60s and 70s that are just you know like like everything you laid out and they're all just these fucking great tunes and they you know a big big chunk of them are like this just rebellious revolutionary, like I'm not going to put up with your shit thing. And it's most of the time there's like this hidden feminism in it, you know, where it's like, I'm not going to take up with, I'm not going to put up with your shit that you're trying to lay on me because I'm a woman. You know, I'm not going to put up with your going out and getting drunk and sleeping around man shit. You know, like, like she's like actively standing up for women in a way that's just awesome. Um, but then whenever you, whenever she's asked about it, she'll you know she's still to this day just like well, I don't believe in women's lib. I think it's it's not right. It's not traditional, um, you know. And when I saw her live, they stopped the show so that one of the backup singers could just talk to the crowd about how we need to bring prayer back into schools. <laughs> and like I, you know, those two things are just kind of tough to. I don't. I. I guess I, I've got some other thoughts on this when we get to some of the particular songs on Van Leer Rose. But like, it's. It's. She just has this weird thing of being like great and a little cringy at the same time. When I was when I was researching all this, there was this big thing in the news a couple of weeks ago that she had just done some publicity stunt where she quote unquote married Kid Rock. Um, and you know, like, was announcing, like, yeah, I'm a cougar now. And it's just like, well, what do you, what, 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 what do you, what does one do with that? Yeah, I, I guess the 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 challenge there, and I I've had this issue with with you know, like Johnny Cash before too, where it's like, it's like, how do you separate the you know, like the guy who writes these like really powerful songs and sings them very powerfully with like like these nutso religious ballads right like and i mean like i you know like i still go back and forth on merle haggard i guess for the same like like i don't know fight inside of me feels a little racist yeah yeah that so that's the thing that drives me a little nuts with the merle haggard disco and like i love merle haggard like but like there's like so much energy put into, you know, parsing out exactly how serious he is in Oki from Muskogee and, you know, like, Oh, that song's not what you think it is. And like, and I, I think all of that is true, you know, but then he released fight inside of me right after that. And like, 
what do you do with that? Yeah, it's a tough puzzle. I'm I'm with you. Um, I think that's maybe that's just you know that's just what you get with uh, with country artists. Although yeah. I, I'm sure if you talk to if you talk to to you know maybe not the a lot of the artists that you like, but some of them you'd be pre. I mean, hell, one of the Ramones is like a was like a. I can't remember. Is it Marky Ramon, the one who's Johnny? The, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. He's bad news. Well, or, you know, John Lydon just needs to be fucking fired into the sun now. Like, he's just kind of a professional asshole. Um, yeah, I guess I, I feel a little bad for him. It's probably kind of hard to peak when you're 18. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, do you jack shit after that like <laughs> yeah so i mean and that's that's a thing that's interesting to me about just the cultures of rock and country that like you know this is loretta lynn's 42nd album that we're getting ready to talk about um most people in rock don't do that most people flame out when you know they they peak when they're in their early 20s and like you know, longevity, I, it's just the thing that hits me a lot, that, like, country does have this room to, like, revere long careers in a way that, that rock mostly doesn't, you know, with, like, like, the people where it does are the exceptions. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I had not really thought of that, but there is sort of this tradition of, of like, of, you know, these, like, venerable country stars who are, who have, like, 40 year careers yeah um but yeah that's interesting i mean i uh, like so i i will confess i have not listened to most of the 42 studio <laughs> albums that that loretta lynn has released but like no. uh, looking through spotify it seems like half of them are with conway twitty so like yeah. i would i would admit those just <laughs> at face <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I know you have a Twitty Bird tattoo on your back. No thanks. Like, <laughs> I, you know, that's like, I, I don't know what the, it's like, come see this painting by Monet and this time-traveling Hudson School artist who's following him behind. <laughs> uh, you know, she liked, she, she was a big believer in the collabo. <laughs> But, you know, but again, true. Th this album shines because it's a collaboration with, you know, is a, a good collaboration. And I think that, you know, like that, that sort of <clears throat> same approach really reignited Johnny Cash's late career was sort of yeah. hooking up with a more modern producer and yeah. kind of embracing. I mean, he didn't really change who he was. He just... Yeah. Tweak the sound a little bit. Yeah. And you know, I, I think really kind of like solidify like like he would have been, you know, he would have been Johnny Cash the Giant no matter what. But like those nineties albums of his, you know, like that really like added a a major chapter to like what we think of with him. And I, I think the same thing is going on here, where like, you know, like this is for people our age, this is like this and the hits are what we know. Yeah, you know? for and, sure. 
You know, I might um, like. I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say I remember the first time I heard Van Leer Rose as a song because that was the first song on the album that I heard. Yeah. Um, and just thinking like what it, it almost reminds me of like uh, like Tom Waits a little bit where it's like the good songs are stories that you really yeah. connect with. Yeah. And it's just this really it's this really sweet, happy ending story. Yeah. And she, you know, she writes a lot of songs that are stories and she's really good at it. And they're like often it's interesting to me how often she writes songs that are stories about her own life. But you manage to hear different things, you know, like like you hear this song and it's kind of it kind of bolts onto the story of coal miner's daughter. But you don't. You know, you don't hear this and feel like, oh, fuck, she's doing Coal Miner's Daughter again. You know, like, it's a different thing from from that. And it just, I don't know, it's really a strength for her. Um, it's great to see. You'll love to see it. This is such a, this is, oh, go ahead. So selfishly, having been born in Johnson County, Iowa, I was hoping that the someone would refer to me as the Belle of Johnson County. Uh, but I have not, <laughs> I have not received that. Uh, you know, for, from now on, like that's. I yeah. today is day one of your reign <laughs> of the bell. <laughs> I uh, so I was paying attention to the the arrangements just you know through this. Um, it's just kind of interesting to see like the different things that that White does, and like this one is super super traditional country arrangement. You know, this this could be a song that was recorded in 1970. Um. And it sounds, sounds great. Like, I don't know. It just, he doesn't always do that on this album. And it's kind of cool that he doesn't. But like, when he does, like, just, I don't know. It, it's perfect. It's spare. And then you've got the pedal steel coming in. And I don't know for sure why it is that pedal steel equals country, but it does. Yeah, that is a weird, that is a weird thing. Because it's, you, you typically don't see people utilizing the pedal steel that aren't interested in a very specific sound. Yeah. Um, like there's probably room for someone to be like, or maybe someone's doing this just to be like the king of like acid rock um, pedal steel, you know, and just learn how to run it through some effects and pedal metal. Maybe I should. Yeah, do it. I should learn to play the pedal steel and take it to strange new places. Be like the Dick Dale of pedal steel. That would be a beautiful thing to be. Yeah, maybe know. not so many headbands, but um. <laughs> yeah, maybe he sweated a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, did I ever tell you I saw Dick Dale perform? Did I tell you this? No, no. Uh, in college, he played it like the. This is pre Pulp Fiction and his like, his like you know kind of re-entry to a low tier of stardom. Yeah. Uh, but he played at the he played at the like reunion. Okay, was it cool? Yeah, I mean it's cool. It's it was, I mean it's he has a very unique style of guitar. Yeah. I think he's I don't think he's still with us. So no, he died a couple of years ago, and it was kind of a the story there was kind of a bummer where like he was he medically should have been laying low, but couldn't afford to, and like had to keep touring. So I think he was like playing with a colostomy bag oh god not 
Yay, the music industry. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, you know, so if you want, if we could just move through the album, like yeah. song by song, like you know, you go from Van Lee Rose, the super traditional chill thing, to Portland, Oregon, and like fucking a, that song is. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good, um, in terms of uh, like, uh, you know, like so I have some complicated thoughts on Jack White. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, mainly because like i i mean i think his music is phenomenal and i think he's you know like if you listen to like the work that he did with the white stripes is sort of groundbreaking in terms of the sound that he generated yeah. uh, you know as like a mostly i think as a two-piece yeah um you know it's wild uh but and, and i will admit that a lot of this comes from the his like that documentary it might get loud where i felt yeah. like he was playing a character yeah or he's got a fucking kid following him around at the start that's like wearing a suit yes so like that yeah. that annoyed me and so like i that it's probably not a like it's not a beef that i can articulate in a like a proper manner but it just it just feels like you're not getting the real guy you're getting a you're getting the you know, here's the image that I want to portray. Yeah, it's it, it it's a performance, but uh, yeah, and like I think it would be exhausting to be his friend. But uh, you know, like at the same time, the man knows music, and like I I really liked with the White Stripes, and then you know his stuff outside of this. I just I love his approach to the guitar, where like he has chops but he's also willing to set them aside and just like get into a fight with the thing and, you know, pull sounds out of it. And like, I just, I love that. And I feel like on this album, like this is the Jack Whiteiest song on the album, you know, not I, part of that's cause he's singing, but also just like, this is the one that has the most just, you know, unleashed guitar. Um, oh, fuck, it's great. I guess I guess she had written this song quite a while ago, which is weird because it sounds really fresh and she was gonna sing it alone, but like it didn't, you know, the song, it's a two part song. And so like apparently him singing it as a duet was kind of an audible that they called that just worked out. So I just, not to derail this, but I wanted to just ask you a question. Like, so one of the lines in the song is slow gin fizz works mighty fast when you drink it by the pitcher and not the glass. Yeah. How, how is that not been co-opted by the homie in <laughs> who sells champagne by the pitcher? Like, um, right. Their marketing people are just asleep at the switch. Clearly. Just seems like a, it seems like a natural synergy to me. To you know, I I think this is the only song. I mean, like you're completely right about that. And setting aside the picture thing, looking at the other half of it, this is the only song I can think of that mentions slow gin at all, let alone like positively. Like, <laughs> like what is with like you know slow gin is like the weird like underachieving liquor. Well, I mean, it, 
I, I don't know. I, I, uh, first of all, I thought it was slow S L O W for, I don't know, 25 years of my life until I, I saw a bottle of it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it just, like, it's kind of a weird tasting thing. Like, it, it is. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> but you were correct. I cannot think of another song that references slow gin. <laughs> like no one's into it. There was a stretch in um there was a stretch in undergrad where a bunch of people I knew were really into mixing slow gin and orange juice just because they thought, you know, like with the slow slow thing, they thought it was so fun to be able to do a slow gin screwdriver and call it a slow screw. Like I was thinking slow J, but uh, Hey, that's that's actually that, that's cooler like yeah like that weird little craze in this song are kind of it for like public love for slow that i've ever seen i so do you find it if you listen to this you know like like if you just hear the song like it it, it sounds great and it, it's fun and like this you know they're kind of musically flirting does it get weird at all if you step back and think about like you know the reality of like jack white in his 30s and loretta lynn i don't even know 70 ish um you know but i mean like maybe i'm being maybe i'm not being fair i mean yeah i mean i've i've never heard you hold getty lee to that same standard who's he in his dalliance with uh ann rand that's uh that was neil pert neil pert sorry yeah sorry and that was that Um, was that was intellectual yeah (laughs) it it did just occur to me though that um you know i'm i'm all here like tut tutting uh oh my god loretta lynn sang a racy duet with a younger man but you know she she is a self-proclaimed cougar who quote unquote married kid rock so right you know (laughs) i don't know what that means Loretta Lynn can more or less do whatever she wants, I guess, is is what I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's actually the only the only take that makes sense. But yeah, it's uh, it does it, at the very least, it does seem like they had a lot of fun making this album. It seems like it. So you know, like I like that. Uh, I always like when uh, you know when I I don't know like I different things spark different creativity i remember seeing neil young perform at like a horde festival or something on the same ticket as beck and he was talking yeah. about how how like watching beck's show really inspired him to try new things that's um, cool yeah i mean i don't know that he actually ever did that but you know well, just I mean, <laughs> it's tough to tell with him because like everything he does is some new weird thing yeah uh, but I, I mean, I, I always thought that was kind of cool that, you know, when people can take, take something from a totally different, uh, totally different type of performer and, yeah and find some kind of something that works for them. That's kind of a cool thing. Totally. I remember when I saw Loretta Lynn live, she, she did this song and it was like, it was a step down without Jack White, but you know, she just had the same backup singer who lectured the crowd about prayer in schools 
sang the Jack White part. Um, you know, and it still worked. Like it was, it was not bad. It was, it like, it was like her part was, you know, as good. And then the, the, the male vocal and the guitar were just kind of a little diminished, you know, like that calm, safe pro thing that you get. I don't know. There's only one Jack White, so yeah, for good or for ill. Yeah, it's uh, where did you see her perform? Uh, that was at Mystic Lake Casino. Oh, fancy! That was it, was pretty fucking depressing, actually. It, um, like I was glad to be able to see her, but walking through the casino, that's that's the only show I've seen there, and like it was just depressing as hell you know you have to like walk through the room of slots to get to the get into the concert venue and then she she was just in terrible shape so she comes out like wearing this weird wedding dress um and starts out singing really well and energetic and then just like you can just see her wilting as this as the show goes on and you know she has less energy and she can't stand up and she has to sit down and she starts like forgetting words and forgetting what song they're doing. And like, I, it just, it was, it was a bummer. Like, I, and so like, like, I'm glad that she's still around, but I'm also shocked that she's still around because, you know, this show like 15 years ago seemed like, like, Ooh, you know, caught her just in time. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know, but it, every you know, I have not been to a lot of casino shows, uh, but and maybe this is just like a Midwestern thing where the casinos are just like a little bit trashy. But it's so depressing because it's like you walk through this like cloud ah, of smoke and yes, and uh, you know like cheap drinks and slot machines, and then to this venue, see oh. a performance, and then walk back through that same morass again. Uh, yeah, it is just, it is the worst venue for any show, I think. Like, there's nothing good about it. Did she play, uh, uh, she play Trouble on the Line? I don't remember if she did. Uh, probably. She, you know, she was touring this album, and so she played a lot of stuff off of it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Trouble on the Line. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a good example of the, the kind of desperation. Uh, yeah that we were talking about earlier, you know, I, I like the, you know, like in terms of like metaphors, like this song is a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I just think, you know, like, I really like the line, we've got a bad connection on our minds. Yeah. Yeah. That she, I, she is a very clever wordsmith, like all the way through, like, like, I don't, I feel like she kind of plays down how smart she is in interviews. You know, she like does a little bit of like, ah, shucks. I don't know. But like she writes these really just fucking smart, clever songs where like, you know, the words she's using are clever and like the things that she's observing are really like sharp. And it's interesting to me. Like, I don't know if that, if she just feels like she has to front. I I don't know. I don't know what the, the deal is. I, you know, the, the, when you talk about her singing about desperation, I, I've got this note for uh, Trouble on the Line and Family Tree both that, like, you know, these two are both kind of out of this, like, genre she loves to do 
songs that are all about like my family's in trouble because my husband's a shithead. <laughs> and like that's you know, that's just that's I that actually I actually thought Family Tree was a little more of an ass kicker. Like uh-huh. it's you know, like I mean it's it's also it's also got a lot of solemnness to it, but yeah. But you know, like I, I did not to I guess I'm jumping ahead a song, but uh, go for it. I uh, I'd like the line. I didn't come to fight. If he was a better man, I might. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna dirty my hands <laughs> on trash like you. Yeah, you know. Man. So like, who's the I trash have... though? Like in that situation, like they're they're kind of both trash, right? Like the ex husband and the mistress. Yeah, but, uh, you know, good uh, good double standard buried there. I used to have this thing that I would talk about that um, if you were really pissed at somebody, you know, like it was better, somebody really pissed you off, your reflex is to give them the finger, but it's better if you just like calmly look at them and just like do the thumbs down, you know, because that's saying like, I have thought about it and I think you fucking suck. And like, I think that song is kind of that, you know, like she's just kind of calmly, quietly, just like, tearing this other woman apart and yeah it does you you raise a good point though that is kind of a theme of her work of like you know like of like unfaithful men and huh. you know kind of calling them out for their behavior my understanding is that Doolittle lynn really was kind of a piece of shit um I mean, he's no kid that, rock but <laughs> yeah it's this weird thing where like, like the fact that she married an asshole was terrible for her, but in a weird way, very good for American culture, you know, because like him being a shithead just like channeled, you know, channels through, through to like so many of her songs. Yeah. It's uh I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to root for somebody to get, you know, like screwed over for the 50 years or whatever they were married. But um, it, uh, it does. I mean, it did lead to some really good art. Uh, Yeah. It's just kind of a, it's a little bit of a slippery slope for me. Very slippery. I also, I get a kick. It's a dumb little detail, but I love it in this song that, um, you know, there's the bit about like, bring out the baby's daddy that's who they're here to see little while little while later she's like we brought his old dog charlie doesn't he want to see his old dog <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh i it it's a real they're both really good songs uh yeah. I, I i like both of them a lot i one of the things that as i was prepping for this listening to this album a few times is it it just it reminded me how many songs on it that I liked. Uh, yeah. And that, like I, I you know like I had it in my head that I liked the album, but I didn't, you know like I just probably hadn't listened to it in ten years, yeah. or five years yeah. or something. So it was a it was kind of a fun exercise to get back into it. I had the same exact thing. I was you know like I just oh my god I like this one I like this one I like this one. It's a great thing. Um, so looking at have mercy, I I think this is another one that like does a good, it's not as like turned up to 11 as Portland, Oregon, but it does like, 
again do a good mix of blending her voice and Jack White's just like, I'm going to lay some waste with my guitar. And here we go. And yeah. He's, I mean, this is like, I always appreciate when people have restraint. Like if I could play guitar mm. like that, that's all I would do. It's, it's just, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, uh, it's, it, it's like that trip Shakespeare song, the tool master of Brainerd, where it's like, he plays <laughs> guitar, like a natural disaster. Like, yeah, that's, that's like a master, but faster. Yeah. That is one of Jack White's modes or two of Jack White's modes. Yeah. That's, that's what I feel like when I hear him play the guitar. It's just his. Yeah. his. This one I think is interesting too, that, you know, it keeps like kind of trailing into like, like this jazzy beat. They're like, um, and you know, just, I, I think that's like a, a cool choice of this song. And it's interesting to me how there is kind of this unacknowledged thing that like country, especially like older country and jazz, you know, like jazz uh, there's this big jazzy thing like right under the soil of old country that like works its way up to the top all the time um you know like uh what the fuck's it called king of the road like kind of reads as a jazz song you know you know, like pop jazz and then just like roger miller's voice makes it country like the hag is jazzy a lot of the time. And I think he like referred to his style of music as country jazz, you know, Willie Nelson could just go off and be a jazz guitarist. and like, no one would notice. Um, I don't know. Just, I, I love the, or you're, you know, Bob Wills is a fucking swing band basically. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I love, I love that that's there and that it expresses itself in this, you know, like lyrically, this ain't, the heaviest song on the album, but it's cool that it's got this thing happening. Yeah. It, it and I know it's a Loretta Lynn album, so it, it probably doesn't make sense for it to be an instrumental, but um, <laughs> um it uh I, I found myself like identifying more with the guitar parts and less with the actual Loretta Lynn parts on this song. Yeah, there's she's not really saying much. I don't know. It's I mean, so it's you you kind of like juxtapose that with the next song, and it's yeah. like like you wouldn't think there would be that many like vocal inflections that you could use on the word top, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's a one syllable word, right? Like, yeah. But it, it seems like each time she says it, she the intonation's a little bit different. So it's like it, yeah. it's like a totally different word. Yeah, I think there's sometimes where she kind of is ringing three or four syllables out of the one syllable word. Incredible. I then you know so like I love I, I I think I'd never caught this before like until I was listening to it for this show. But like I think part of why this album kicks so much ass is it's just like this sampler of different country styles that you know that she can do well. And so you've got like the traditional slow narrative and then. And you've got the kind of rocker, um, you know, and then you've got, you know, like there's just all these things. And like this song is just kind of this fucking great old timey hoedown bluegrassy thing that I don't know. Like, you know, there's no, nothing else on the album like it. 
Uh, but it fits in perfectly, and it's so fun. Yeah, and it's got that like quintessential country theme of what we're doing is a okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but not in an obnoxious way. Like, like, like that theme is expressed in most modern country is just kind of oh Jesus Christ, yes, fine. You have a truck, that's great. Um, but, you yeah, know, I guess, like, I guess is... now it's everything we're doing is a okay. And if you don't like it, then fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, you know, in a weird way, this song reminds me a lot of the that, that early Uncle Tupelo song, Screen Door. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing of just kind of sitting around, having a sing-along. We're all right. We're... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I mean, I, 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 there's still room in music for a song that's just fun. Uh, yeah, totally. Like, not every song has to be, you know, like, you know, like a, you know, like a concept album that that tracks, you know, like, every, that has to track society. Like, I guess the yeah. way to put it is, not every song has to be a Jay Farrar song to continue yeah. your, your. I guess I'll have to look at screen, screen door of Farrar song. No, that's a Tweety song. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, no, but like, I totally agree with you. And like, that's like, I thought myself in a circle, I don't know, like a little while ago, I just kind of made an ass of myself on Twitter. Just, you know, like I got it into my head that like, well, you know, what the fuck has Billy Idol ever done? And, you know, and just, I started like railing against Billy Idol, um, you know, because like, yeah, his songs are dumb. You know, he's empty. What is, what has he got for us? He's got nothing for us. You know, all you can say about Billy Idol is that he's fun. And then I'm like, well, wait, well, I mean, there it is. Like, he's fun. Like, what more, you know, fun is a perfectly valid thing to like about music. Like, that, that's all Van Halen's got, too. And Van Halen rules. Like, well, they, I mean, they also have Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> true. But he's just uh, adding to the fun. But, uh, yeah, I see your point. Like, you know, like, ACDC is fun, right? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, the, the interesting thing is, you know, like these days, I, there's there's a non-zero chance that Billy Idol might just respond back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been beautiful if I'd been called out by Billy Idol. <laughs> Challenge you to a duel or something. Oh, fuck, I would have loved that. I'd, I'd, you know, if he wants to fight, I'll I'll fight. But whatever. <laughs> Bring it on, Mr. Idol. Bring it on. Uh, 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 Little Red Shoes. So, you know, if I was talking about how this album is like a sampler, Little Red Shoes is like out on the weird edge of the sampler. Where like I feel, feel like this is something, this feels like something, you know, it's like the noise collage where she's just kind of telling a story over it. Um, you know, again, like it works as part of the sampler. There's nothing else on the album like it. Uh, it, it, I appreciate that they tried to do something kind of avant-garde, but it honestly reminds me a little bit of like that Minutemen song about the about caulking the shower, where like it's like <laughs> yeah. this spoken word performance with like guitar behind yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's exactly what we got here. And you know, like I don't know, like it's cool that they tried it, and it's not like so long that it like kills the album for you but you know if, if i skip anything on here this is what 
Yeah, I'm curious to get your take on God Makes No Mistakes. Oh, I got a lot of notes on this one. <laughs> I figured that would be a popular one with you. But, uh, you know, um, well, you take the good with the bad. Um, so, so, the, I mean, the bitch of it for me is that, like, I really like her vocal delivery on the song. Yeah. I want to believe that it's like, it, it's like a you know, like live and let live type of thing. Like, like, you know, like, you know, but I, I feel like that's not maybe what the intent of the, I do not like the, uh, so, you know, the sentiment of the song is God, make, God makes no mistakes, everything terrible that happens. Like you shouldn't be upset because God is doing it because, you know, God has a purpose. Um, I hate that sentiment. I just, I do not get it. I, um, you know, I know that there's, there's, I know that this is like a big debate within theology. There's like, there's, I, I don't know if it's pronounced, I think it's pronounced theodicy. Um, you know, this question of why an omnipotent perfect God would allow evil to exist. I mean, you know, to me, the answer is kind of right there in the question. Um, but I know other people have different answers to that. Um, just like, how the fuck? I don't know. You know, like, she's talking in the song about kids dying and, like, God makes no mistakes. And, like, I would be pretty, you know, like, I, when I have had tragedies in my life, if someone had come up to me and told me that it's okay because, you know, God planned it and God doesn't make mistakes. I would have told them to go fuck themselves. Like that's. Well, it's so, and and I mean, this is not, this is not too far off from a real world situation, but like, say I dig a tiger pit in my backyard (laughs) and you step on it and are gored and said tiger pit. And I look down upon you and say, God makes no mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Right. There's this weird, like, Right. I feel it's, like a, I feel like that's like a supervillain. Like yes, you you can use that sentiment to cloak so many bad things that you know, like that's fuck. You know, some guys flew some planes into the twin towers. Well, God willed it, and God makes no mistakes. I just you know I I know that smart people of goodwill have tried to like argue through this and i know that there are arguments but it just none of it adds up for me that's that's just not a thing and like you know so i mean this that is the thing with loretta lynn like she rules but then there is this side of her you know and like this is like another fragment of the uh backup singer lecturing us about how we need to get prayer in schools and like you know, and like, I know that this is her background coming through. You know, if you grow up very disadvantaged and religion helps you get through that, religion's going to play a part in your life. But still, like, like, you know, we've established she is a smart woman. Like, she has the firepower to think this through. And, you know, I guess she has and has just come to different conclusions, but not for me. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I just don't, 
I guess I struggle to 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 find a way where that sentiment would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, like I'm all for whatever you know, whatever belief system you have that doesn't that doesn't uh, injure other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if it Same. gives if it gives you peace, then go for it. Um, I just you know like. I'm not going to connect, and this is probably an indictment of me. I'm not going to connect with that song like I am uh, about a song, you know, where like you're not woman enough to take my man because, like, you know, like I can relate to those types of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And this, this one, not, not so much. I guess, you know, I'm just, I'm more of a slow gin fizz by the pitcher. I, that, 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 I've that's always more thought, thought about you. I, I hope that ends up on your headstone at some point. <laughs> Make it an engraving of a picture of a hand holding a, a picture that just says slow gin, like a, like a really bad editorial cartoon. <laughs> That'll be on my, oh, oh, yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. That's that song. I actually, I, my, my note after this just says, album plays out with more solid sampler stuff and that's kind of my feeling is that like you know you're at this point you're through the you're through the meat and then it just kind of like coasts out well yeah it's sort of it's sort of like you've got your you got your song about shooting shooting a person <laughs> for infidelity well i mean of course Pulling up the track list here just to make sure I'm not missing anything. So this is out of left field, but I when I listened to the the track "This Old House," like, yeah, I got, I got a really strong vibe that it was. It really reminded me of that Beck song, "Satan Gave Me a Taco." Yeah. Um, and so like I, I don't know. I wonder if that's trying to think so that back one would have come out first right yeah that was i think like 94 ish yeah so i wonder if i just wonder if there was some like you know there's like some subtle nod to to back in that one you know like even if she wasn't aware of it jack white probably was um or you know either way maybe both songs are just tapping into like another standard old country delivery, you know, cause I, I mean that Beck's thing at that point was totally just like, yeah, I'm going to take old folk idioms and make them weird. That's, you know, that's a good song that that's another, well, the Beck song, it, it's weird how much you can say about both songs. That's the same. Like that's a good song. It has a nice flow. That's a good story song. Um, yeah. And then, that, then they diverge with which one has Satan and, <laughs> but you know so like yeah like if, if you look at the rest of the album like this old house and story of my life are two more story songs that are also like telling her life story from like yet another angle and still being kind of fresh you know like like none of them you're like oh fuck this again but like She's so good at that. I was a little upset that "Story of My Life" wasn't a wasn't a cover, um, but that's okay. I can't what remember. You, 
can't remember who sings that song story of my life there's like a velvet underground song yeah it's that's not the one i'm thinking of but yes that's it's uh isn't there it's like a it's like one of those like seminal early punk bands it's not there's a social distortion song that might be it it might be yeah it is social distortion i guess yeah it's like uh, that is actually, I think, the song that made me kind of hate social distortion. <laughs> or not hate, but it made me like <laughs> realize that I like I only really like them when they're covering other people. They're really good at covering other people. They are fucking A plus. I, I, I don't have the hatred for social distortion that you do, but yeah, hate hate's a strong word. I just I just I like them better as covers. And, you know, like, like the originals. I, I, some of them are good. Some of them not that I don't I don't know. I'm not here to talk shit about social distortion. Yeah, you're gonna get a legion oh. of people pissed at you if you. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna get three very intense guys. Well, that's a good. I mean, that's a good question. Like, do you would you rather have like the entire fan base of Maroon Five <laughs> pissed at you, or like the really five fervent fans of rancid pissed at you like well those the the, the rancid fans are the ones that are going to kill you <laughs> you know like it's like well, they're, the, they're committed like they're yeah like cult bands well i mean you know like even to peel behind the curtain um you know looking at the stats for this show i'm always it it, it always just amazes me that like the episodes where we talked to uncle tu- talked about uncle tupelo um you know, we've been done with that for over a year, and those are still getting more listens than a lot of our more recent stuff, just because, you know, like, bands that have cult followings have intense cult followings, you know, and I guess we count as part of that intense cult following for Uncle Tupelo. But yeah, like, we're part of the problem. It's it's an interesting thing to me, like, you know, cult music fans, like, go all in. And I think there's just a... Uh there's there's just more of a completist mentality yeah uh, if you're uh i mean i the thing the thing that's interesting about the uh, uncle tupelo is that like it's not like uncle tupelo i guess is maybe more of a cult following but like there are a million wilco fans like yeah it's, it, you know i think it's a pretty natural progression to be like hey i really like this band wilco i'm gonna go back and and experience their kind of genesis yeah and but i think the bigger wilco has gotten and the more diffuse their fan base has gotten the fewer people do that yeah it's probably true there's probably less i don't know it's uh it's hard for me to separate you know since i sort of lived and breathed uncle tupelo and wilco and sunbolt for uh not a huge chunk of my life, but a distinct period of my life. It's hard for me to separate that from, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's unlike anything I think I will experience again. Yeah. It would be, it would be hard to maintain that level of fanaticism, you know, as, as someone past 25 or 30, (laughs) I I think I, I know people do it, but not as much. I don't know. Um, let me pull my track list back up. Uh, any? Oh, I guess one that women's prison. 
like I don't think that's a great you know like I have no beef with that song and it it's what takes you out of God makes no mistakes and so that's good but wow is that um that is one melodramatic song like yeah I mean I I don't know I uh I feel like we've I feel like we've mined the the shooting murdering maiming of the jilted lover like I just uh, I feel like we've been there and done that. It's it's definitely a. I was thinking how much the repentant person in prison song, you know, that is such an old country staple. You know, to like like Johnny Cash's prison albums are like at least forty percent just different versions of that over and over being performed in prison. <laughs> Um, you know, and like this, uh, this to me, you know, like, again, like if this, if this album is kind of a sampler, like women's prison feels like her being like, okay, well, this is, this is my, you know, this is my prison song, <laughs> put it right in the name. Just so you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know anything else on individual songs. Or? I don't think so. Uh, I guess I was curious and I should have looked this up. Has Jack White produced any other records I, other than I, like the white stripes and the rack and tours? I, not that I know of, but I'm going to try and stall while I look that up right now. It would be insane if he hadn't because he's clearly he's, really good at it. Yeah. He seems to be good at it. He seems like, seems like it'd be a good you know, kind of, I, here we go. I let's see. He he must have, I guess, because like Third Man Records would make no sense if he wasn't producing. I um okay. Yeah, I should have I should have looked this up earlier too. It's third Third Man Records in Nashville. So we I think so. Let's see. Oh wait, here it is. It is in Nashville. You see a uh... I see a number of live albums from third man records. Yeah. I, okay. I can't find an easy listing of his production credits, but his actually, so I believe I, that might be Jack White's record store, third man records or his label. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean like him having a, la- I, I think it's a studio too. I think it's, yeah. I think it's a label that it has its own recording facility. I um, I was gonna say like I've been reading this biography of Neil Young that is actually kind of a slog because everyone in it except for Neil Young is such an asshole. But <laughs> um, and, and like and as and evidence Young's, by the song Thrasher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, Young's main producer is this dude. I think his name is David Briggs. Um, and he's like the biggest asshole in a book that's just kind of a parade of assholes. But there's this thing where he's talking about production and, you know, they're taking him into, um, you know, this fancy for the early 70s studio with like a big console. And he's just like, all I need to know about this console is how to bypass it. Um because you know but then he like starts saying like actually pretty smart things about like all you need to do to produce a record is get a great sound out of you know out of an instrument or a voice 
and get that as uncorrupted as possible onto tape and then like build around that with as little as you need. And like, you know, not everybody should produce that way. Um, like, like if we're talking about the flaming lips, like the whole thing of the flaming lips is not, not doing that, but like, that's a very solid way to produce records. And like, I think that's exactly what Jack White does to produce records. Like that's, you know, that's clearly what White's got going on here. It's just like, I'm just going to put a really good mic in front of a really good amp and can lay it down. And the, you know, like just the simplicity of the production is, is the genius of it. And it's weird that you'd think simplicity would be easy because it's simple, but I don't know. I'm talking a lot. No, I mean, I feel, I feel like you're right. Like, I think you can, you can, uh, I always go back to that, like, like that Bob Mould record, Modulate. Yeah. Modulate, I think it was called. Where I he was so. like, he started playing with, uh, with like synth sounds and things like that. And he just went way over the top with, and you know, just didn't, didn't yeah. do what, what Bob Mould does, which is just like, you know, like write really good songs and play the shit out of a Telecaster or a yeah. Stratocaster, rather. And, yeah, and then like his next albums had the same amount of electronic songs; they were just blended better. Yeah. So I think it, you know, just as kind of a, I, I do think there's something to that, you know, like the if the house has good bones, as they say. Yeah. Got to learn like what the strengths are to play up. Who, in your view, comes off as the biggest asshole in the Neil Young biography? I think it's that producer um, because, well, so, so it's a, I actually, I, I want to give you this book. <laughs> I really want to see your take on it. Um, that the, the producer, there's this part. So the, the writer who write, wrote the book, like writes himself into the book a ton, which is really annoying. Um, and when he introduces this pr- producer, the producer is just, fucking coked up out of his mind and the uh the author like just records you know going into this guy's house and he's all coked up and it's so great and he's so funny when he's coked up and like the you know the producer just like is a dick to the writer and the writer's like lapping it up and then you know and and he's like approving like and then he went and he hit on my girlfriend for a while and it was so great and uh you know, and then it goes back, and there's all this stuff about um, this producer being just really anti-Semitic. Um, they're just just a shitty guy all the way around. Like, like a shitty enough guy that this is a book where David Crosby appears a lot. You know, <laughs> and most of the time you're like, oh wow, what a what an asshole. And then this guy comes along and just like blows Crosby out of the water. So. Yeah, it's uh, I. I have never heard anybody uh, do the hold my beer trick with David Crosby. Like, <laughs> this guy just fucking laps Crosby. It's amazing. But, uh, yeah. it's, it's a book. Yeah. That's, I'm still a little scarred for that really long book on Leonard Cohen that I read. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's uh I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> some of those books are some of those, some musical books I'm really, really into. Some just leave me deeply puzzled. 
That is, yes, it's extremely, extremely hit or miss and potentially wounding. Also, uh, um, to, to kind of start to land this plan, I, I wanted to ask you, like, if you had to pick a, a favorite song or two off of Van Lear Rose, what do you go with? Yeah, so what would I pick? I would, so I would probably pick, I mean, I think I would pick, I mean, I do love the Portland, Oregon song, uh-huh. uh, but I think I would pick Van Leer Rose because, like, I just, I, I really like that song. And I think I would pick, you know, like, kind of weirdly, I think I would pick uh, Trouble on the Line as my other favorite. Solid. I mean, like, yeah. No argument. I, what I mean, about you? What would your... I think I would go Portland, Oregon and High on the Mountaintop just as like the two most fun to listen to. But yeah. like, you know, everything you picked is also great. And like, like really, like most of this album is is awesome. And like, even where I was kind of shortchanging the back half of it, I think it's it, it's not that there it's not that there's anything really bad on even God makes no mistakes. Like, I don't like the content of the song, but like, if you're just listening like it's still a very pleasant listen it's just this this is nuevo country done very right yeah i'm uh, i'm a little worried that our dog who's asleep behind me is uh is going to interpret that as dog makes no mistakes <laughs> that's kind of dogs operating uh yeah you know, that, that, that's the lens through which they view the world would be factually incorrect <laughs> is it though you know they they mean to do all the stupid things that they yeah, do. i don't know i don't know i i, I don't know that uh i don't know that having all of those dead things in your mouth is uh <laughs> but if you mean to eat them i i guess i <laughs> i just uh i think it can still be a mistake if you, even if you mean to do it at the time like understandable but, uh yeah. Uh, anything else on Van Lee Rose? I think. No, I'm, I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's it. But I, I appreciate you selecting it. It's probably not one I would have picked, and it was kind of fun to listen to. I really, yeah, I'm really glad we. It, it was, yeah, it was. It was so good to go back to this and like remember. Oh yeah, this is why I loved this. Um, and that's. I guess that is it for Van Lee Rose. Thanks for listening to us. Um, you know both now and ongoing. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a different album. Um, in the meantime, I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Pilly. And, uh, and I'm Chad Cook, and you can find me at Cook6252. And as always, we would love to hear from you if uh, there's anything about the show that you like or don't like. Um, if you're Billy Idol and want to <laughs> challenge me. You know, fucking bring it on, Idol. It's a nice day for a white whoop-ass. Um, yeah. If you dug the show, please tell people about it. Go to iTunes or Google Play and leave a review. Um, thanks, and yeah, we'll talk to you all soon.